0: Welcome to the Global Energy and Environmental Law podcast. My name is Maiana Dellinger, and I'm a law professor researching international environmental law. In this podcast, I interview attorney Ruth Nzioka, who's a legal intern with the Institute for Environmental Law and Governance, ILEG, in Nairobi, Kenya. ILEG is an independent, non-profit, public interest law and policy organization focused on promoting sustainable development. It works with local communities, governments, the private sector and civil society organizations to ensure fair, balanced and equitable development policy choices to improve people's lives and protect the environment. I talked to Ms. Nzioka in Oregon in early March about what she sees as pressing environmental issues in Kenya and the African continent in general. Ms. Nzioka has a particular interest in public participation in environmental law, and talks about why she sees that as important to the future of environmental governance in Kenya. So, welcome. Thank you. So, tell me a little bit about um, your own personal background mm-hmm. and the organization you work for.
1: Okay. Well, my name is Ruth Njoka as you've all heard. I work for the Institute for, for Law and Environmental Governance. I studied uh, my LLB, my law degree at the University of Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology, based in Kenya after which I pursued my diploma at the Kenya School of Law. And uh, my institution, we usually work with different local communities with regards different local policies. We have different programs. For instance, we have climate change program. We have land and uh, social justice programs, which help all the communities with regards to anything that needs to deal with sustainable development within our society and i should
0: also say the website for the organization is yes. www.elxilegkenya.org mm-hmm. um so tell me about the part of your organization that you work with the most is the environmental justice uh, department or talk about that a little bit
1: okay i work with the envir- environment and social justice program the, le- it's the legal department in our, in in our in our organization usually what you do here is assist local communities but Publicly participate in legal forums. For instance, recently we had an advocacy project that was dealing with uh, historical land injustices in our country. the The main question is: They talk about the land question in Kenya. This was what led to the post-election violence in 2007. So basically, what we are doing is, after the Constitution of Kenya 2010 came into play all the laws had to be reviewed and all the title deeds all the former regimes regarding the land had to change so basically what is happening right now is helping local communities come up with a policy for the community rights uh, law and at the same time having different title deeds so usually what you do is go to the communities talk to them re- d- using tools like capacity building education upon which we are system write an action plan and a strategic plan and how then the proposals they give us, we then forward them to the parliament so that they can be put down as policies and then as law eventually,
0: yes. That's great. Uh, that's a great example of public t- participation. Yes. So tell me a little bit more about your knowledge of public participation
1: uh, issues as they pertain to um, to Kenya. Oh, really? Usually, public participation is a new concept in my country, and uh, because the... The, the new constitution being just recent, 2010, it's a new concept. And currently what you're working on is uh, implementation of, of the of the three pillars of the real declaration.
0: So, Ms. Nyoka, tell us a little bit about the most pressing environmental issues in Kenya uh, currently, as best as you know them. And if you want to, you could also talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about the African continent in general.
1: Okay. Basically, the most pressing issues in my, in my country, Kenya, is clean and healthy environment. That is the biggest issue, because we have people living in uh, slums. I don't know if this concept is new to everyone, but slums is just an encroachment that comes up near uh, a suburb, which is which is very dirty. The, we, we have dirty water flowing amongst the streets. We have children playing near dump sites. We have... Oh my goodness, uh, women walking along, along, fetching water from a dirty place. We have people, uh, street boys and street girls, bathing in the same river. And it's so dirty, uh, you cannot even imagine. And one of the basic uh, problems you have in the country, and I would also say in in the continent of Africa, is the lack of a clean and healthy environment. And unfortunately, it seems people do not understand that they have a right to a clean and healthy environment. The Constitution is very clear. It states in Article 42 that a fundamental human right in my country is you need to have clean and healthy environment. I would say this is one of the biggest problems with regards to the environment because on top of that, other things come up like diseases. We have issues like uh, poverty comes with that. We have uh, street boys and small gangs coming up, uh, s- street boys coming up. So because of lack of a clean and healthy environment, I would say other vices come up. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the biggest issues in Kenyan Africa at large.
0: So you mentioned the water pollution. So tell me, what do people do on a daily basis to get clean water?
1: The middle class people in my country usually can afford to buy water. Water has become a bit scarce because Nairobi has been expanding, uh, day by day. So the water supply in Nairobi County is not sufficient for the numbers of people in, in the in the province, in, in the county. So what people do usually is buy water. Um, a twenty liter can goes for five shillings. Five shillings. It's 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 something like a five uh one cent dollars. It's very cheap. And for the big households, they can get 3,000 liters of water for like 3,000 shillings. That is like a. What five dollars? Mm-hmm. Five dollars, which is ex- which is reasonable for any middle class person, but it's very expensive for the low income earners. How can you? I cannot. You cannot expect someone to buy water. Well, they need to be looking for food. So the priority here is going to be looking for food for the children. So what what usually happens with the poor people in Kenya? They end up going to the dirty places to get the water because they have no other alternative. And it's dangerous. You're talking about uh, typhoid. You're talking about waterborne diseases. You're talking about so many things, so many diseases that are flowing in that water. And these small children, it's just sad. Yeah.
0: So water uh, pollution is maybe one of the most pressing issues in your country right now? Uh, uh, or are there others also?
1: Uh, what is, uh, with regards to the environment, water is one of the most pressing issues. Because water is a necessity for life. With water, you can do so many things if you have a clean environment. I remember, if we can save people with having a clean environment and water, then we can save so much resources for the country. If I do not have to walk to the river to get this water, then I would save more time going to the office. If if I do not get sick because I'm taking that water, then I'm going to spend less money on the hospital and improve the economy of the, of the whole Kenya large. So clean, clean environment and water are the biggest issues, environmental issues in the country. Mm. Good.
0: Tell me then how you help, uh, the general public. That how you work with that, uh, and how you help the general public interact with the government and public participation
1: issues in in connection with your work. I will have first to begin with uh, Article 69 of the Constitution of Kenya. It obligates. It, it has gra- it Obligates each and every citizen to participate in in making the environment clean, healthy, and sustainable for the present and future generations. That said, it's important to note that I, I we do not have this information, and I do not have a clean environment. I do not the water is polluted, the air is polluted, and so you're telling me to. To, I have an obligation to the environment. It's kind of impossible for me to have to participate in making the in, in making this decision of having a good environment if I do not have clean and healthy environment. So the circumstances make me not be able to participate. However, what my organization does is help local communities sit down with them. Tell them the issues at large because most of the people do not understand that the government is obligated to to provide a clean and healthy environment. So what do they do? They keep on living. But then again, our organisation then comes in, goes to the people and tells them, look, the uh, the government is obligated to give you a clean and healthy environment. So what you have to do is sit down as a community. What would you like from the government? How would you like to see the government work within the resources? Keeping in mind that it's progressive because it depends on the resources. However, they can do something about it. It's not impossible. So we help people sit down, come up with an action plan with what they'd like to do, what, which, with regards to the limited resources they have. How can they use the limited resources to be able to assist themselves? How would they like assistance from the government? And then we, we take the action plans. And the strategic plans to the government, we table them in the parliament and see, parliament, what can you do about this? We talk, but in in our country we have it. It we, we go at levels, so we'd have to table these issues with the Nairobi County. With within Nairobi, we we are going to table it with Machakos County. Different counties, we put it at the county level so that it can proceed on to the national level.
0: So I heard you mention yesterday the fact that before you could talk to the general public about some of these issues, you have to have government permission to do so. Mm -hmm. Is
1: that correct? This is true. However, I would have to mention this as as an attorney, is that the law clearly provides that you have a right to access information. If, for instance, a project is coming up in your area, you have a right to publicly participate. However... People do not read the law. People do not know the law. So the moment I go to talk to a local person, the first thing that is going to happen, the the chief of that village is going to immediately call the policeman and say that these people, you, the the people you said should not talk to us, are here. Come and get them the the Chief says this from a uh, from an innocent perspective, not knowing that it's supposed to be the other way around it is right to get informed it is right it's his own benefit to participate in all the resources that within the within the area and that the company is um extracting from that area so this is what happens in kenya it's the it's what is happening on the ground this is the rea- realistic point that is happening but the law Clearly states that you have a right to access to information. And our criminal laws do not provide for, there's no provision that says if you talk to a local communities with regards to uh, some projects, you're going to be jailed. But, we are always taken to jail. That is the ironic part. However, we always have. when you come out, you go to court and have to debate this. I would have to say that access to justice tool is the most effective because the policeman does not understand, but the judge understands that this is what the law says and this is how it's going to be. Yes. Interesting. When uh, you say that
0: uh, that the law provides for access to information, is that the constitution or
1: what do you mean by the law in Kenya in that respect? In our country, we do not have an access to information or freedom of information legislation. What you have is a constitutional provision. Article thirty-five of the Kenyan Constitution clearly provides for the access to information to every Kenyan. It states that the government or the state has the right obligation to give all the relevant information to the citizens, and also it, sta- it states that the, uh, a, a personal, a person or a corporation is also obligated to give information however this is restricted in the sense that you, the person or the corporation can only give uh, information if it's affecting your fundamental rights. So there's
0: a clear right to access to information is there also a right in Kenyan law to uh, to interact uh, with the government in active public partici- uh, participation provisions under such as for instance is the case under the Orms convention? And what about access to justice issues? So these are the three pillars of the Orphus no. Convention.
1: Let me begin by saying that we do not have a, a are uh, 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 specific provisions that talks about public participation, but the 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 Constitution of Kenya in Article 69 states that we are sub- we are obligated to interact with the government, uh, get involved in the process making, get involved in the policy making. So this this is this is this gets legal effect in our country despite not having legislation that is specific to this point. So in that manner, in that sense, then we are able to see that people are able to participate with regards to to decisions that affect them. However, the problem is they do not understand this. Neither do they know that they have the right to access this information and to participate. So they end up not participating in the process. It is also possible, uh, obviously, public participation and access to information are strengthened by the access to justice pillar. So in our country, it's very clear. Article 70 of the Constitution talks about enforcement of environmental rights. It states that in case you are aggrieved, in case one, one of your rights has been aggrieved, you can go to court. Using the judicial review process,
0: I've heard you mention the word citizen. I've also heard you mention the word people. Can you define for the listeners under Kenyan law, as best as you know it, what is meant by the word citizen? Could that also incorporate uh, or cover a corporation
1: in your country? The the constitution talks about two types of person. It talks in in, in some articles it will talk about a person. In the, in the Constitution, a person in Kenya means any person. It can be a Kenyan citizen or an international citizen. And then in other areas in the articles, like for instance, when you talk about access to information, the article is very specific to stating a citizen. When they talk about a citizen in Kenya, they specifically mean only Kenyan citizens. It does not include a, a, a person from outside the bo- uh, the borders of Kenya. Then uh, the Constitution of Kenya talks about uh, accessing information as as a person. It does not talk about a corporation accessing information. And so our courts in, have interpreted the term access to information by a Kenyan citizen to mean that only a person can ask or request for this information. A corporation in our country, even with case loads, has has been decided that corporations cannot ask for this information. Only people can. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. that's different
0: than U.S. law, where the United States Supreme Court recently held that corporations Mm -hmm. can also be seen as being persons. Yes. So that's not the case in your country. Yes. I think the listeners will find that interesting. So when you're uh, mentioning people's involvement in this, um, Mm -hmm. do people in Kenya in villages, for instance, or smaller towns and communities, do they actually have the energy and the time and the interest in actually working with you as an NGO and the government on some of these issues?
1: I would have to say it's uh, um, the opinions are varied in different areas. At first uh, the first moment you approach a particular community, talk to them, they usually do not accept you. neither do they some of them are skeptical. They think that you have an agenda behind it. Are you working with the government? What do you want with us? Such questions. But then again, when you sit down and, and, and talk to them and tell them where we're coming from, they get to understand. But I would have to say not all people accept our help. Some of them say that, okay, we're too busy. Anyway, I have other things to do. I have priorities. I do not have time to sit down and talk about climate change. I do not have time to talk about clean water and the environment. I'm rushing to work. So it's it's challenging. I would it's challenging. Say. But, yeah. Yeah. but you can find some that are willing to, to
0: work with you and help you do the work for them.
1: Yeah, at least
0: we've worked with some people Right. Yeah, who are very cooperative, right? What about, uh, do you know about uh, this similar work that you're doing in other uh, nations in Africa, on the African continent? Is public participation provisions new and groundbreaking in other countries, or, or
1: what do you know about that? I would have to say the public participation aspects of law is very new in the African continent. Despite it having been in other countries, European countries, America and all, it's very common. It's it's not a new concept. But in Africa, it is. Because we work with uh, governments are not, that are not willing to assist or to involve people. And they they, they, they rule in a manner uh, like a draconian type of system. So most of us have learned to keep quiet and say that the government is the one to speak. I do not have a voice. We've All we've known as Africans is the government speaks. We've never seen a, a situation where people speak. It's a new concept, and if, even as we try to grasp it and see how it works and know how it di- works, we, we're, we, we're getting there. That's so, what I would have to say.
0: So you're mentioning a fear of speaking
1: up, or maybe in the past, about the government. What would happen if people did so anyway? Oh, my goodness. We've learned to be quiet because the government can be very, very bad. We've had cases of people being tortured. There's, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's, uh, there are different places in Kenya where we've had, it's not obviously public, it's secret, they can't make it known. But we know of very many cases of people who've been tortured because they spoke too much, because the despite having pr- freedom of expression, they, their vocal opinions were not good enough for the government. And so the government did something to eliminate them. And so because of these experiences in different African countries, we've learned to keep quiet. So people must be, though, uh, very scared still
0: about, you know, when you come in and talk to them about some of these issues, I could see how people would be uh, scared
1: or a little skeptical about Mm. whether they really now can uh, speak up more, can they? Indeed, indeed, because at first when you talk to them and try to tell them about their rights and everything, they say, you know, what about the government, is it going to come and get us, are we going to have problems, are we going to be arrested, are people going to be oppressed, are people going to be uh, uh, mistreated? Such questions. So we it's, it's really a point of getting to educate people anew. This, since it's a new concept, you have then to educate them all over again, to tell them we, you should not fear. Actually, the Constitution talks about the people owning the country. And uh, despite having that background of violence and torture and, and mistreatment, we're telling them it's your right. After some time, they start understanding this, and slowly by slowly, they start opening up, and start, they start speaking about different issues.
0: So what about these issues seen from the government's point of view? Is the government receptive to these new notions of law?
1: I would have to say the current gov- the current president... He's very conscious of the fact that Kenyans come and uh, Kenyans have come from a background of fear, a background of uh, fearing to speak out and to be seen that you're too vocal and too vocal for the government's government's liking. Our current president is very liberal. He's very interactive. He's he's been dealing with all the groups, the women, the children, all the disabled. All the marginalized groups, together with the whole so, with the whole uh, republic at large. So, in fact, the other day he 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 opened the the Kenya Open Data Initiative and the Open Governance Partnerships, which is basically an internet portal where you get all the information regarding the, the government. He's very liberal with regards to the information. Not every member of parliament is the same, or or politician is, but he is, and I like the initiative. I like where he's going.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, is that a little bit uh, of a problem point? Do you think? Because what if someone else gets elected uh, shortly next year, or you know, within a short time frame? How do you see the future of this? Do you see this broadening and more members of government accepting these notions, mm-hmm. or do you think maybe it's it's a little more limited? What, how do you
1: see this going in the future? I'm very optimistic because people have started knowing who they are. People have started to learn the law. People are more educated, and people actually are are going to get this information it's not a point where i'm coming we talk to the local communities but some people are starting to go out there to get the information for themselves and as uh, the more we get more learned about these issues and the more the the older generation gets uh, gets uh, I want, I don't want to say finished, but the more and more the generation grows, the young people and everything, the young people who are very vocal, the more and more we grow and the more and more we get information, the more we get enlightened and the more we become vocal without fear. Yes.
0: Are these notions also taught in law schools in Kenya or is this something you had to find out about on your own?
1: Obviously, this is not in law school. <laughs> I'm fortunate to have studied law so i know these things and i am not afraid as compared to other people so i get to be more vocal because i understand the law but however i would have to say these things are really not in the in the classroom these, these are things you get to learn along the way <laughs> when you get out there because you get to interact with the politicians one-on-one you get to hear how they speak you get to hear what their agendas are and all that which is interesting. And it
0: helps, I presume, Mm. also when you
1: travel around the world. Yes, you get more exposure. (laughs) Right, to different aspects (laughs) of the law.
0: Do you see the trend going the same way in other African continents also, that the public there is uh, benefiting from broader and broader uh, uh, laws of public participation, or or how do you see that to the best of your knowledge in some other African countries?
1: I would would have to say, yet again, it's divided. Or the African continent, I don't know if we all know this, it's it's divided into regional blocks. We have the East African community, we have the northern part, the Arabic-speaking countries, we have the southern part, and then we have the central part. All these have different opinions with regards to public participation. Other continents are very draconian with regards to, I would have to say, with regards to this law of participation. I would have to say not all countries are there yet. I would have to say I've seen Kenya be more progressive with regards to wanting to incorporate the three pillars, uh, the three access pillars to, to justice, information, and public participation. However, in other countries it's really not so. I'm also speaking from a point where it's not yet been integrated in their laws. So We have integrated it in our laws. We are talking about implementation. They are talking about considering how to integrate it in their law. So we are still Some countries, some African countries, are not there yet. Mm.
0: So finishing up um, here with one last question that I think people are very interested in. Um, A lot of people that don't know much about the African continent might see this. I wouldn't say hopeless, but certainly a lot of people feel very sorry that there's all these problems with, you know, elephants and the endangered species, (laughs) and you mentioned water, and now also climate change. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some good news from your continent or your country.
1: Some of the good news is the wildlife parks are being well preserved and the protected areas in the forest. For instance, I would have to speak about the Mao Forest. It is one of the indigenous forests in Kenya. And because of people's uh, um, initiatives of protecting the environment and all, the the forests are being protected. I would also have to speak uh, about each person is required to plant a tree. So that you can be able to acquire the 10% tree cover in our country. So that's, those are things people have been doing. I would also have to speak that the government is stepping up with regards to housing and everything. There are, there's, a, there's a slum called Kibera Slums. So what the government is doing so, that, so as to secure, clean and healthy environment is br- uh, bringing up cost-effective build- uh, apartments. Not so small, not so big, but they are able. They they are making enough of them so that they can be able to wipe out the slums and house every people uh, in a, in a clean place, in a good home, and then also have access to water. So that, those are some of the developments you're having in our countries. They they are developing the infrastructure so that you can be able to be able uh, to get uh, more developed. I would have to say Kenya is becoming more cosmopolitan because you're having more towns. We're having more more shopping malls, you're having more business areas and centers. So we're getting to a point where Nairobi is really not the capital city anymore. Other, other, other cities like Kisumu, Mombasa, Machakos are getting more cosmopolitan. And so we do not have to congest Nairobi, we can branch out, which is positive. Mm. Very nice. Thanks
0: again to Ruth and Zioka for talking to us today. About her great work uh, helping people in Kenya understand their rights uh, under public participation notions and bringing Africa forward. It sounds like you have a lot of nice initiatives going on. Thank Thank you. you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You've been listening to the Global Energy and Environmental Law Podcast. This podcast was a discussion with Ms. Nzioka, an attorney and a legal intern with the Institute for Environmental Law and Governance ILEG in Nairobi, Kenya. Thanks for listening.